The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Danny, with the trade deadline now in the rearview mirror, it's time to take up a subject near and dear to our hearts here on Dunked On, and that is the worst contracts in the NBA. And we don't just do this for our own edification and amusement, although I think there are some amusing things about it. But also this matters. We talk about this all the time. We get so many questions. Oh, could the Nets move Ben Simmons? What Some of these contracts that are going to be matching salary, how do they stack up at the trade deadline? You see teams totally hamstrung by these. And I think we're going to see some deals that are really going to be immovable in the coming years, particularly now with the strictures of the second apron, which I think is a little bit overrated, but it seems to have seeped into the psychology of some of these teams. And we just saw like Zach Levine try to get traded. I'm sure he'll show up on this list. So uh, you kind of took the lead on putting these together. Uh, Take us through your process here in determining what some of these candidates are. So there are a lot of things to consider. And for me, the 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 place to kind of to start just for a point of clarification is that the current season, especially when we're recording this after the trade deadline, the 23-24 season, really doesn't loom too large. It's it's pretty small. And so, for example, like expiring, I pretty much never consider expiring contracts in the current year. So like is Clay Thompson overpaid? Yes. Is Tobias Paris overpaid? Yes. They will not figure into this calculation at all. And the other kind of basic fundamental thing, and you've been the one who really brought this to the forefront, is one of the ways of clarifying these contracts is how far underwater are they? So for example, Lonzo Ball, we don't even know if he's going to play next year. And we're not going to factor in the nuances of insurance for NBA teams in part because it's not always public. We don't always know all that kind of stuff. But Zach, let's say Lonzo Ball doesn't play at all next year. One year, 21.4 million. It is a player option. He is going to pick it up. But that's $20 million. It's a one-year obligation. It gets out of the way. So that how do you compare that to somebody who's making 30 or 40 million a year for a longer period of time? So there might they that might be more underwater. And I think we can also throw in too, I mentioned in the open the second apron. I think that the calculation maybe has changed a little bit with some of these contracts that are still attached to good players who will help you, but also just make so much money. And I think there was a time when, hey, if this is a good player who could really help a championship team, 
yeah, he might be quote unquote overpaid for the production, but he's still a player that teams would want to acquire that are going to help them. And now I think that those deals look a little bit worse. You mentioned Tobias Harris is coming to an end. That deal to me, if it were still extant, would be a lot worse now than before because it's not necessarily as useful for a good team if they are that worried about the second apron to have someone like Tavares Harris you can't just say damn the torpedoes we're just going to get more good players and we'll pay it again not that that applied to more than like three or four or five teams but it used to be there were three or four or five teams that actually would still want to have this guy even if he is crazy overpaid and now there are no teams that would want to have that guy and I do think that that matters to some degree so yeah let's uh let's throw some candidates out here danny i'll leave it to you to begin for us i mean i think that one of the interesting places to start is with a pair of high profile shooting guards so zach levine and bradley beal have the same contract structure they just have different contract amounts so each of them has two more seasons and then a 30-year player option so i'll give the total contract value because you can assume with these contracts that the player will pick up the player option but remember that we're doing this from the team perspective so a player option is even less advantageous because on the circumstance that they outperform it you assume they're going to make the right decision and then they're unrestricted and can sign a new contract which may end up being even worse depending on how it goes so that so levine is owed 138 million over three seasons after this year last year being a player option Bradley Beal owed $161 million over the same time period, the same basic structure. So when you're comparing those two contracts, we talked about how it's total like underwater. One of the interesting questions is basically just over three years when you consider their age and their production and their strengths and weaknesses and how their how their games will progress over time and fits with various teams. We're not saying like Levine with the Bulls or Beal with the Suns. Would you be would you rather have Zach Levine and twenty three million dollars spread over three years of extra available money or would you rather have Bradley Beal? We haven't seen that much of Beal playing this year yet with the Suns. His stats are underwhelming. We talked about that about a week and a half ago individually. Suns have been very good when he's played with the other guys. And Beal is also starting to increase his efficiency. And he's a better distributor than Levine. And he's also, I think, more of a winning player, certainly more of a defender. And also, frankly, has less of a health risk and is probably also less dependent on athleticism than Levine was. And Levine is going to miss the rest of this year. And while we're not necessarily counting for our purposes the amount of money that's left this year because we're not doing any expiring contracts the fact that Bradley Beal is actually has a decent chance of being available the rest of the year and Zach Levine is out for the year like that matters too so yeah I think I would rather have Bradley Beal than Zach Levine at this point even I if would, Beal's a little older I would as well especially when you well consider- well actually well wait a minute though Danny because when we talk about the contracts we're not just talking about the money oh the no trade clause the no trade clause Oh, that is a fascinating, fascinating wrench in this. Although I think Beal... Not only does that mean that you, like, you so theoretically, like, as this evolves, let's say for the purposes of the Suns, but we're not making this team specific, then if a deal comes to you that is advantageous for the team, you have to run it by him. And that is a that is a pretty big factor. Now, I will say it's not as damaging as it was back when Beal, in theory, had obvious positive trade value. If 
Phoenix wants to move on from him, at that point, he's probably going to just be a totally negative contract. And that's what we expect to happen. It probably already is there, quite frankly, even though, again, he is a good player still who is helping them win basketball games right now. So it doesn't matter as much now that he's not on Washington. Washington, when you were trying to get positive value for him, a lot of that was stripped because he could choose his destination now pretty much the only way he's going to get traded is if he's just totally underwater and it's just clearly not working anymore in and phoenix like the team and isn't doing like the team isn't doing particularly well or anything like that you know and this, yeah. maybe at that point he would just be okay with leaving may try to put his thumb on the scale for a specific location but in that circumstance you're not curtailing positive value you're more narrowing options treating him in all likelihood as neutral or negative value yeah it's not like oh man we could have got three first round picks for him but now we're only getting one because he's can block a trade to anywhere except uh, his preferred destination so yeah I, I that doesn't ultimately factor in that much i still think that mm. i would rather have beal over levine okay so i, I want to keep on the genre of one position shooting guard players and okay jordan Poole. so jordan Poole, three years 97 jo- million. jordan Poole might be a zero position also player. also potentially true and so jordan Poole makes over the over the three years he makes 41 million less than zach levine so that's more than 10 million a year um it's closer to 13 and a half 14 and then significantly less in that respect than bradley beal who's making you know who's making a lot more over the same basically the same period if we treat them as all picking up that the first two is picking up their player options what makes Poole notable in this conversation is the it's the amount underwater. And while Jordan Poole has been a positive player, he was a positive player on a team that won the NBA championship two seasons ago. He has been an actively bad player this year. His defense has been abysmal and his offense has been well below the kind of I, I would say it's been below the reasonable worst case scenario that I expected for him. I, I you know, there are always things that can go wrong. But for Poole, as we're recording this, below 30% on threes, taking 8 per that's 36. Un- that's unbelievable. 51.5% true shooting on still 25 usage, 25.5 usage, which is actually well under what he did last year, more in line with what he did with the champion Warriors, though that year was the sample in the regular season was a little bit weird because of players missing time and everything yeah. else. You're, you're talking about in terms of the usage, the efficiency, yes. obviously, as far as. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, fi- yeah. That, was, that was 60%. This is 51.5. Yeah, his drive game has totally dissipated. He, this is his worst assisting season in some time. It's not like Washington has been playing with just like awful pieces around him, right? Like he's not like Cade Cunningham in Detroit. Like their spacing is actually like reasonably decent. Like Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. Like that's not like, you know, some atrocious offensive group where it's like, oh, there's no way he could have success. And instead he just continues to take awful shots. His handle just looks really bad. His balance looks bad. Like physically, he just isn't getting the separation that he was getting two years ago. I'm not sure why that why that is. Obviously, the ball is not going in for him from three either. I mean, what a trade that was to get off of him by Golden State. And it really is. I mean, for him to have, he's going to end up having had, it looks like, his best season in the NBA at 22. That is really surprising. Now, at least Poole doesn't get hurt, but you almost would want him to get hurt. <laughs> to just so he's not. Like, he is... Like, he shouldn't be, he almost doesn't have a role to play on a team that's trying to win right now at all. And that is that is in marked contrast to Zach Levine, 
And okay, do you think you want to think Pool could get better? Like I guess, but I just like what is the reason to think that? Like he's been on, on this negative trend. Like yes, he could. And he's twenty four. Like yeah, you'd think he maybe will try to reassess some things in the off season or something. But I, I just well, I mean, here, here's it, another it's remarkable. Here's another way of putting it. EPM is not gospel. Jordan Poole has a negative 2.8 EPM right now. That is worse than basically every single player who gets regular minutes on the Wizards. The only players who are listed on the EPM board for the Wizards who have a lower EPM are Anthony Gill, who barely plays, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who barely plays, Bilal Koulibaly, who is a young rookie, precocious, has shown a lot of positive signs, and you know there, there are all those types of things, and Isaiah Livers, who was terrible for a different team and is now on the Wizards. And so for Poole, somebody who has paid significant money and who is who is owed that over years. And then the other challenge with Poole, when you think about this as contract, is there is a path for him to, to rehab his value. But if I'm rolling the dice, if I have to choose between Zach Levine looking like himself for three, four months at the beginning of next season and a team being like, hey, I'm interested in that. You know, there's a player who can help us. He has an established brand name, everything else. Or Jordan Poole, who has done it, but like looks so much worse in the ways that he succeeded. I'm easily, easily, easily betting on Zach Levine as the player who is more likely to get to even slight negative or neutral or especially positive value. Jordan Poole sucks on offense, and that's his good side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, and and we're I, I'm pretty confident now that Jordan Poole will never be a good defender. There there may no. be an outside scenario where he becomes passable. Like you know, he's very ineffective. At, he's super thin. He's ineffective. He he doesn't even do like some of the Harden. You know, like, oh, he's a bad defender, but he can like opportunistically get steals. Like he had some notable pick sixes at times for the Warriors and his steal rate is actually higher for the Wiz right now than it ever was for the Warriors. But he's an active negative defensively. And so what that means from a practical perspective is in order for Jordan Poole to be a positive player or to be a player that you would even want in your rotation if your goal were to have a good rotation. He has to be one of two things. He either has to be driving successful offense for himself or others with the ball in his hands, or he needs to be such a capable shooter that other teams are going to actively guard him every time he has the ball. Both of those are theoretically possible. However, he's so far from both of those right now. So like the theory of the case, if you assume that he's going to be a bad defender, which is completely reasonable, is just it's so optimistic to get to get beyond those those negative outcomes. Yeah, it is inexplicable that this happened. When the Warriors extended, we're like, ah, I suppose it's a little pricey, but like caps going up and he was just a huge contributor to a championship team. He started for the first half of that year before Clay Thompson came back and they actually defended. It was just, yeah, it's been quite the fall. And I, I mean, it's. You know who knows whether whether there's an emotional component to this and and what happened with Draymond Green. I mean that's really a shame if that is what derailed his career. Fortunately, he at least got paid before that. Well, do we want to? He's not going to feature as highly on the list, but do we want to have a brief conversation about the guy who punched Jordan Poole in the face? I mean, he's he's players who are really helping their team win basketball games right now. 
Now, Draymond, if he has another, like, one of his outburst incidents and gets suspended again, like, yeah, we could be uh, in exactly. trouble there. Well, that, that, that's what I'm yeah. thinking about. There is some downside risk for him, but the, the difference with Draymond Green is, A, as you mentioned, he can be helpful for a team, and B, he's actually paid significantly less than Jordan Poole. Green making $77.7 million over three years player option on the third versus Poole at 97. So he's making, if we assume Draymond picks up the player option, he's making $20 million less over over the same three years. Yeah, but he's still a very valuable player. Like he's helping, he, he's certainly reestablished some of his value in this last, you know, three, four weeks or whatever it's been since he came back. And now I, he's some, when you think about the trade value component, I think there would still be teams that would be willing to take a chance in it because the money is not that bad anymore. It's like, you know, $23 million a year or something like that. Sorry, no, $25 million a year. Like that's not an insane amount. Well, actually, we are missing one little piece of context here, which is what is the new TV deal sure. going to be? But I assume that it'll be big enough that we're going to get 10% raises. Really, the only component we don't have there is how much is it going to go up this year in the offseason? Is it just going to go up like the $6 million that it's projected now yes. by the league? I, I, I think it's, four, it's 4%, four. It's I believe, is the current projection, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, or does it go the 10% or more? It, it seems like it's unlikely it's going to go the 10% because that would be another you know, another pretty big. It's usually, it's rare that at this point they're off by like eight or nine million dollars in the estimate. So it could be a couple. It seems yeah, like. I, I think it'll be, it'll be more modest. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So, so Nate, I, I started this kind of exercise with choosing between two players who play the same position. I want to do that again. Two dunked on non-favorites other than, I guess you could say, criticizing these guys. Nikola Vucevic and DeAndre Ayton both have two years left on their contract. Vuce, 41.5 million. Ayton, 69.6 million. Which of those two would you rather, would you rather, or not rather, however you want to say it, have their contract right now? Oh, God. I mean, it's probably, I guess Aiton, you could still say you put him on a decent team, although he was just on a decent team, but whatever. You're still, there's still a way to kind of talk yourself into what he is, where he could be a decent role man. He's shown pretty affirmatively, I would say, in Portland that he's not going to be someone to create much offense, but they've actually been okay defensively with him out there. Like, I think he still is a starting center and so he's overpaid by 20 million so about what vooch is overpaid by making 21 million (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I kid there, but Aiden to me, this is one where I think there's scenarios in which DeAndre Aiden can help you. And I just don't think there are anymore for Vucevic. Vucevic to me, particularly because he's got an ego, he wants the ball, he wants to post up. And he's just so incredibly inefficient that like he doesn't really actually help your offense anymore now. Like this idea, okay, maybe he stands out by the arc, but he's shooting well under 30% for three. He's having one of the worst three-point shooting seasons with this type of volume in NBA history right now, where the concern used to be that he didn't shoot enough threes. Now it's like you don't even want him taking them, so well, he doesn't and, space the floor. Well, and yeah. the other piece of context there, Vooch, so he's take this year, 4.3 threes per 36, making 28% of them. And you can say, hey, yeah, he shot 35% last year. He's going to bounce back. Well, the year before that, he played 73 games and shot 31% on threes. So the idea that he is, you know, he's career 34% three-point shooter, and that that scales on volume. It's, you know, total shots made versus total shots attempted. But the idea that he's like a clear plus there or that the 35% is obviously that's what he is. Like, no, at this point, this is age 33 seasons. So that means the two remaining are 34 and 35 for Vucevic. And there's another part of the Vuce case that runs parallel to Jordan Poole, which is I am 100% convinced that Nikola Vucevic is a bad defender. And it's he's not as bad relative to his position as Jordan Poole is, but his position is significantly more important defensively. DeAndre Eaton is frustrating. He pisses he pisses me off to no end like with, with various things he does offensively. He might be my most frustrating player in the league. There are other – that would be – at some point we could do that as a segment on a pod – but he's at least capable and he's been productive at times. He's been a part of not only passable, but modestly successful defenses at points in time. And he has the theoretical capacity to extend beyond that. Whereas Vooch with his age 34 and 35 seasons on the horizon, he's really bad. He's actively bad on that end. And I don't see it improving. And then the offense at the, even if it regressed to the mean a little bit, I still don't think it's enough. Yeah, the question is, and we come up with these uh, sorts of questions a lot in this analysis is, all right, would you rather DeAndre Ayton making 35, but at least you're like, okay, we have a center? Or would you rather have Vooch making 20? You're like, well, we still need to get a center. <laughs> so, and and you're probably not going to get a center for less than 15 million. So you're probably going to end up paying more for the center position to get your center that you actually need if you have Vooch, whereas Aiden, like, yeah, he's overpaid, but at least we don't need to go get another center now. And Vooch, like, he's actively hurting you. If you think about not only to just have 53% true shooting on 23 usage, or just any player like that is really hurting you at this point in time when the league average true shooting is 58%, but then you also are we talk about replacement level right well the average center has what like 62 percent true shooting or something this year the median center and so you're now taking out a center who yeah wouldn't have as high usage but would finish efficiently for Vooch who never gets to the foul line doesn't finish efficiently and is also going to demand this big role in your offense it just he's really a killer at this point so yeah you can give me give me Vooch there because he he really you're just better off not having him on the team you're you might be better off just having a replacement level backup center than him and you're probably going to play him i maybe that shouldn't be part of this analysis but he's a guy who has enough stature where it's like you're going to play him and so that's almost part of this that having him on the team means he's going to play whereas if you could just put the guy on the bench with some of these guys that's fine you're they're just going to be 
negative salary sitting on their bench, but at least they're not hurting you on the floor. We can throw out one that will obviously be a factor in the in the discussion, and that is Ben Simmons. Simmons only has one year remaining, but his forty point three million is almost as much as Vucevic is going to make over two years. And there are arguments both ways in terms of what kind of structure you would like. It is significantly more impactful in that single year, but then it's off the books entirely. And so you can, so like for the, you we're not doing this team specific, but for the Nets, especially considering they didn't trade him at the deadline, I think they would rather have 40 million that comes off and then they can spend in 25 rather than 20 and 20 and just kind of tie up some of that money. Yeah, I think so. And Simmons, at least he's not going to play very much. He doesn't fit anywhere. That's sort of the problem, too. Like, if Ben Simmons were able to play, I mean, he's just not able to get on the floor, I guess, at this point. But he also is essentially a backup center. I thought it's interesting, actually, that he's now being described. He always would be described by the major newsbreakers as a as a guard. And now he's being described as a forward. I thought that's kind of interesting. Usually that's driven by what the guy wants to be called. I'm not sure why that is, but he clearly is a forward. And quite frankly, is probably a center at this point. Yeah, it's just you look got to look at it as $40 million in completely dead money. And your question just becomes, how do you value that since it's only for one year? Because, he, I mean, he is killing the Nets right now. Like having that $40 million just sitting there on their books is just killing their actual basketball team. I mean, what, a lot one of time, way, yeah, yeah. When we did this, when we did best contracts a year ago, I said that Mikhail Bridges had the best, you know, when we have a lot of carve outs, you know, no rookie scale, no max, no mins and all that type of stuff. They have maybe the best veteran contract in the NBA, and yet they still don't have flexibility because Ben Simmons' contract is so bad. No, it's a great point. It, like, he is counteracting, and maybe even in then some, the value that you get from Mikhail Bridges. Probably more than that, right? Because Mikhail Bridges, he's maybe a $35, $40 million player making 23 So, yeah, his negative $40 million, uh, just... Yeah, that just absolutely kills you there. And, and normally guys like that will either have been waived or they'll be on a team that's just totally out of it. The Nets are actually trying to win. And so you can see just how much it hurts you to have $40 million and absolute nothing on the books. And particularly, again, when like the Warriors, when they had Clay Thompson out for the year, they could still field a team because they were willing to be really expensive. Now teams generally are not really willing to do that. So Simmons still has to be up there. He was my number one last year. I think that's uh, kind of borne out what, and, and, so far. And, and but, one, uh, one way to do this exercise is you and I are both operating on the assumption, and it'd be great to be wrong, that Lonzo Ball is not going to play at all next year. Yeah, Ben Simmons is clearly a worse contract than Lonzo Ball at one year, 21 million, because I would, you know, Simmons Simmons, Simmons is not going to give you $20 million of value next year. Let's run through a few of these that just deserve mention but aren't going to figure in the final analysis. CJ McCollum has quietly had a bounce back year. Those thumb and shoulder injuries were really bothering. I think he is starting to find it as more of a third option spot up role. And I still think that contract's a little underwater at two years, 64 million after this year. And he's going to get worse uh, on defense and isn't going to be the same guy as an isolationist. But he at least is starting to evolve to being a better spot up shooter and making a ton of those. So he's still a guy who can help you. I, maybe he's at the point where he should probably be a backup on a really good team, but you also have these two other creators that he's playing next to. He's still not really a point guard. He's not really a good defender, even a shooting guard. So 
but I would say he's maybe kind of overpaid by five, ten million as of now, maybe five million as of now, and that grows to ten million per season by the end of the deal. Maybe even by the end of the deal, he's more like a fifteen million dollar player. But he's also a guy who's still a good player who helps you right now. So probably doesn't figure in this, even if I still didn't love that extension for New Orleans and didn't love the trade for him. And I wonder what would have happened if they had never done that. Uh, I still think he's a guy that you know wouldn't be untradeable at this point in time. Another fascinating one of this is, is Zeke Naji, where Zeke Naji signed a four-year, $32 million extension. The last year of that is a player option. Yeah. It's just too low value in terms of too low salary to he, be he still is an is a positive for Denver to have simply because of the matching salary that he provides. I try not to make this too team specific, but yeah, you're right. You're right on that front for Denver. And the idea that, OK, you're paying a backup center eight million and maybe he's more of like a minimum player. And Najee has potential to be more than that. This is his age 23 season. Like he, he could absolutely be better. So like. That extension doesn't look great, but it doesn't it doesn't make him one of the worst contracts in the league. I want to throw out a juicier one. Carl Anthony Towns. We don't know the exact value of his extension because it is tied to the cap in 2024. He and Devin Booker, but Devin Booker is obviously not on this list. Towns is making the all-star team. He is he is going to play in the all-star game. He is a part of one of the league's best teams right now. But based on the projections, the number that I have in, in my ledger is four years, 219 million. So for those who want to do it more in terms of annual value, that is... And the last year of that is a player option as well. That is $54.7 million for four years after this one, assuming he picks up the player option, which he may not. I think he might pick up that player <laughs> option for $61 million, possibly more than that. Because uh, as you noted, th this is a contract that if the cap goes up, will get a lot worse, <laughs> frankly. If it goes up this year, but if that. it goes up a yeah. lot after that, it actually will be more okay. Precisely, yeah. So, I mean, maybe this is one where whatever team he's on gets him to decline the player option and he signs a, a new deal. Carl Anthony Towns, age 28 right now. So you're looking at his 29 through 32 seasons on this deal. And he can't play center defensively. He's not going to be able to play center defensively. So he needs another center next to him. That mutes the impact of his offense if you're going to be a really good team. Now you could just throw him in at center and say, hey, we're going to be what the Wolves were two years ago. That has some value for teams. I think that he has had a good year. I think he has helped the Wolves. But you, the only way to have a competent defense around him is to have like three really good defenders and the best defender in the league right now in Rudy Gobert, at least in the regular season. So this is one where I think the brand is a little bit better than it was, but I still think this is looking real ugly now. Could they trade him for positive value? It's actually going to be harder to do it this offseason. It would have been easier to do it. Obviously, they're not, given where they are as a team, they're not going to do that, and they probably won't even do it in the offseason. I guess we'll see what happens, how he performs in the playoffs. He could also play better in the playoffs this year. He's probably going to have at least a couple of rounds to show what he can do. And if he does that, he could maybe play himself off this list, at least for the time being. But God, that is just that 35% of the salary cap number for a guy who's even now, like the good years of that, like maybe he's worth that in like the first year. But then as that goes up, it's 
it's headed for a bad end, I would say, at age 32 with the 61 million, but I don't think it's immovable yet. So ultimately, probably doesn't deserve to be here. Although part part of this isn't necessarily of like whether it's movable or not. It's what do we think, what production is he going to give over the life of this contract compared to what his salary is? And in that respect, could end up being near the top of this list just because the number and the years is so massive. Ah. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. DeAndre Eaton, you know, we already talked about his place in this. He's making $34 million for next year. Carl Anthony Towns, roughly $49 million for next year. And then it extends an extra, you know, it extends twice as long as Eaton's contract does remaining out. And so it, Carl Anthony Towns, unambiguously a better player than DeAndre Eaton. I think that he's, you know, there, there are reasons to believe that his game will age well, even if we, you know, because he could shoot and he, he has these different elements. But if we acknowledge that he's already, you know, a flawed enough defender that you have to make these other concessions with it. But it reminds me a little bit of you and I sounding the alarm on Russell Westbrook many years ago, where it's like, if you, he's, he's a well-regarded talented player, but getting out of this contract early rather than late could save, it could save a team's job. It could save Tim Connolly's job. It could save somebody else's and it could cost somebody else their job because it will, barring the shockingly unforeseen, it will get ugly. And I, I'm concerned that the pre-ugly stage isn't strong enough I mean, like the Wolves are the Wolves aren't a great offense right now. They have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And I'm not putting most of that blame on Anthony Edwards. And so the other challenge with it is you brought this up in terms of like a good team and, and for a bad team, it might not be a concern that the way you become passable on defense makes you more limited on offense because specifically of Towns deficiencies. Yeah, just the history of guys even making 30 percent of the salary cap who signed this deal who are you know the 25th best player in basketball is really bad and then when you throw in it's 35 percent of the salary cap uh, not as good now i mean we've seen carl anthony towns be a really good offensive player but that's at center i i just not sure how much he improves you playing power forward with the guys around him that you need for the defense now maybe you can say he's being more of a floor raiser, like their offense is passable they got all these defensive players he's helping there yeah, I, I do think that their success is not that tied to what he's doing, which is part of why I wasn't as high on him in the for the All-Star team as Gobert. Let's run through a couple other interesting ones here. Brandon Clark, three years, 37 and a half. He's a two-foot jumper. Torn Achilles isn't the death sentence that it used to be. I'm hopeful he can come back and that that looks fine as soon as this time next year. But for a guy who's out for the year making that, 
It has to at least be mentioned. Zach Collins, two years, 34.8 million. Not looking too good considering that he has been ineffective this year. He can't play with Victor Wembanyama. Nobody else. That's like close to starter money. Nobody else is bringing him in to be a starter based on this season. Yusuf Nurkic, very similar, two years, 37 and a half. He's provided a low end center play. He's been healthy, very healthy this year, which has not been the trend in his career. That's one where he's maybe underwater by like four million a year or something and maybe that'll get worse but i don't think i I think he's been healthy and good enough this year that that's not like an immovable deal like if if phoenix says we've got two first round picks to trade this offseason we're gonna attach yusuf nurkic to it i don't think another team is like oh we can't take back yusuf nurkic agreed um what about friend of the pod demontis sabonis four years 186 million at this point so sabonis per year is is at about 46.5 for the next four years yeah he's about to turn 28 so you're looking at your 29 through 32 seasons interesting he basically makes about eight nine million less per season than carl anthony towns over the same period who would you rather have carl anthony towns on his deal or sabonis on his over that period I think I'd rather have Sabonis because even though like I, I we know how he can how he can dictate an offense and how how he's been able at the, in his best moments to do that with the Kings and he is flawed defensively so is Towns and if he well, really well who's, ha- let me ask you this who's better on offense Carl Towns or Sabonis I think Towns is a better scorer but Sabonis is a larger force in uh, of team offense. Oh, I disagree. I think Carl Anthony Towns is way better offensively than Sabonis. Like, if you put Carl Towns at center, Carl Anthony mm. Towns is way better than than Sabonis. With the spacing that he provides, his ability to drive, yeah, he doesn't do quite as much through the elbows. Like, we've seen Carl Anthony Towns be the best offensive player, almost the only offensive oh. player on, like, really good offense. Oh, sure. If we're if we're saying the best seasons that Carl Anthony Towns has ever had, those oh, are better they're, than the best they're, I'm talking about going forward. They're basically the exact same age. They are. But I'm Towns' best seasons were a couple of years ago. Like the, I, I worry a little bit he's had. Well, but that's because he's he was playing center. Then I think if he went sure. back to center, like uh, now the health of Towns, uh, he's been healthy this year. Sabonis so never gets hurt, so uh, there's or, that or, when, or when he gets hurt, he plays through it. Yeah, and still and I good. think I would probably maybe slightly rather have Sabonis defensively over Towns. I think they're pretty comparable. Though. I, I think Towns is is better than Sabonis, though. Uh, to me, do you, do you think he's and, eight and million dollars a year better? I do because Carl can also play the four and or you can you can play him at five and you could play a Kyle Anderson type next to him. Whereas Sabonis, you just you can only he can't shoot really. I mean, he's making 44 percent of his threes and like one a game or something this year. But, you know, he's going to be working inside the arc So you either need a Miles Turner type next to him, which, as we know, is a very difficult archetype to find. Or then you're just not going to have a good defense with them because you need a guy who can shoot at the four. Like finding a guy. You need a guy who can shoot and be a really good defender at the four or five next to Sabonis, and you, those guys are just really hard to find. I think Sabonis is like you're seeing the absolute best a team can be with Sabonis at center with like this Kings group the last couple of years. And they're also, I mean, graded. You could say the overall talent level is different. They're they're worse than the Wolves are right now by a pretty significant margin. Yeah, where, where's the Wolf? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I mean, you, I think you're seeing right now maybe the best a team could be with Carl Anthony Towns, 
but you can't you can't bring in Rudy Gobert to play next to Sabonis the way you can Carl Anthony Towns. That's fair. So I, I I think I think Sabonis' deal is worse than Towns, even if the brand of Towns right now is uh, like and the, there are just more places that uh towns could be traded to than sabonis also true what about damian lillard lillard three years 162.5 million we don't actually know the number and in a challenging thing for the bucks or whoever in this exercise we're saying has lillard we think the cap is going to go up in 25 like that could be the 10 percent raise that counts for him because that's when the calculation happens and so for lillard it could even be higher than that that rough estimate that i'm using and it is fair to argue that lillard in future years could be better than he has been so far i mean he's 60 percent true shooting which is well below what he did last year his final year with the blazers it's better than he did the year he was pretty clearly hurt with the blazers before that but he is a clearly negative defensive player and so for lillard the easy argument in favor of him not being on this list is well he's been one of the best offensive players of the league and is at his best but the challenge is this is age 33 season so that's 34 35 36 are the years remaining on this deal and he you know and so if he doesn't have his fastball the other things are so bad that he becomes a lot harder to deal with on a good team or a bad team yeah it's surely that will be a bad contract by the end but everyone was aware of that when he just got traded for a shitload four months ago yes to a to a team that has the pressures of being very good right now and if it's they're worse later on so be it but still that that is a yeah, totally but there there are always going to be teams like that and Lillard hasn't I think he's been kind of overstretched early in the season like uh, he's not playing that well right now he's had some health issues it could be that he we're looking at that deal this time next year and we're like oh this is getting close to the top of the list now because he just doesn't perform in the playoffs this year and he just has moved into a new phase in his career but I he's not at that point yet it certainly not going to be top five for me just because he still is a, a very very good player like the Bucks are there's a reason that they're one of the best offenses in the league even with him not having his most uh, efficient season let's see who else is out here that i really wanted to talk about michael porter jr is a very interesting one and i think that that contract has kind of gotten a pass because hey they won a championship with it but the nuggets also he, he is a guy who really needs to be guarded i just wonder how much difference he makes like he doesn't really create his own offense at all he's gotten better enough defensively that he's not a liability there anymore at least and that's have some flubs every now and again. yeah that that is huge and he he provides you know just an, another element for denver when you talk the, that adds to this putting your finger in the dike element of trying to defend them but remember we're we're also thinking of well what would porter be when he doesn't have the best offensive player in basketball as a teammate Sure. And that gets more challenging, even though uh, the defensive growth for me is is extremely encouraging. Yeah. And as as noted, he has three years left after this one culminating in a 40 million, which did that guarantee actually because they won the championship or is it still only 12 million guaranteed? So it, the guarantees it it goes from twelve million to seventeen if he makes an All Star game, 
And then I, I think it Oh, so it was triggered. No. Yes, because one yeah, of the it has one of yeah. one of the other elements was it could be fully guaranteed if they win a championship and he fulfills games played requirements, which did happen. Which he did. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, that's a uh, I, I thought we had that in there and that was right. I just I, I Yeah, I, Dan, I had not, Dan I had updated not that uh instead of me and so I didn't have it in, in my yeah. in my and brain. I, and I didn't have but, it in my notes either. I I don't I don't often go through that. I just like, "Oh, oh, I'll assess it when we're closer to it." But yes, it, that, that is fully guaranteed now. So that makes it a little bit less palatable. And what is Michael Porter Jr., $25 million a year player? I, I mean, all right, he's still you'd still rather have him than Kyle Kuzma. Would you rather have him than Jeremy Grant? Like for this year, I would say probably not. Well, and then there's also the additional risks with his back, which do count for this. Yeah, his, his back. Especially, his, now, especially his now that his contract is fully guaranteed for that last year. Yeah, there may be some kind of protections in there. Maybe not, though. I, uh, I'm i not sure on that one. And generally those, I mean, I can't remember the last time a guy got waived in that circumstance to actually save the team money on Exhibit 3. Yeah, and so just, just to run through the, the basics on it. So Porter Jr., $35.9 million in 24-25, 38.3, and then now 40.8 guaranteed in that final year. That's a lot of money for a player who is not your best offensive player and who is not your best defensive player. They clearly would have to give something up to get off of that deal, just if they wanted a team to just take him. Well, so, so Nate, if we're comparing, let's say Porter Jr. and Towns, where so Towns makes, I think Towns makes roughly 20 million, 15 million more a year. 15 million more, yeah. Probably. 15 million more a year. It does go out longer, but I mean, it, it, it's also interesting because they're both like talented offensive players who have defensive flaws. Porter Jr. Yeah, but, but you have- can't, like Porter Jr., he just hasn't quite proved to be enough of a shooting threat that you just are like so concerned about like, it. Like the, like the, what Clay was. Right, exactly. Like the 6'10 Clay Thompson has been sort of thrown around, but Porter Jr. just is not that. And you would think, oh, well, he plays with Jokic, he plays with Murray, but like they've tried having him be more of a fulcrum on the second unit and it just like he isn't that guy. And I don't think like, he doesn't really have any bend. He doesn't have a lot of moves. He's really kind of a you know, pretty standstill shooter and he'll make some cuts. He also, I think, after missing the whole season two years ago, just hasn't been the same as an athlete around the basket the way he was in the 21 season that earned him this contract. I'm glad that he's been able to be back and play. But yeah, he's kind of more of a, a starting quality power forward that doesn't really move the needle on defense, but holds up well enough and you know will make open shots. And he's 26 now, too, so I don't see him getting like so much better. Yeah, that, that's one I don't it's maybe not going to be in my top five, but it might be a contender, particularly with the injury risk still going forward that we've kind of forgotten about a little bit. You want to do a couple other like honorable mentions here? Sure. Just ones that have to come to mind. Especially because we're not really sure how good a player he actually is. DeAndre Hunter, the I, I still love how John Hollinger described this of the 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 player who when we said there were no like when we not we like pe- the general consensus was oh no one can sign a bad extension because of how bad the how how big the cap is going to rise and he's like well this is the this is the exception that proves the rule and Hunter is having a more efficient season he's uh, at sixty one percent true shooting this year in part because he's hitting his threes but he doesn't really have a clear like position defensively doesn't like where is he in winning basketball but only making 70 million for for three years i don't think he really makes this list like he makes less he, he his contract is less than half or it's less than double ben simmons over three years rather than one 
Yeah, not much to add there. P.J. Tucker is looking like pretty dead money at 11.5 million uh, player option. But like Lonzo Ball, depending on how we're classifying, how classifying things, like if you're going to go that route, like Lonzo Ball probably isn't going to play. Now, we're not counting insurance or any of those details. Yeah, the, another team might get insurance. The Bulls maybe could get a medical retirement for him, although news that they were maybe sniffing around trying to move him might indicate their feeling that he's going to at least try to return and they won't necessarily get the medical retirement. And the Bulls are the only team that can get that, by the way. It has to be Correct. the team for whom he was playing when the injury first arose uh, to get that long term injury exclusion jeremy grant still could certainly be traded for positive value right now uh now there will be a point at which that i think will no longer be the case i don't think that will be the summer but it might be a year after that could be and with with grant he's done well in a variety of different circumstances you know as though i I was surprised with how how well he performed offensively with the pistons of course he did well on that nuggets team that made the conference champion that made the conference finals and then spurned them for the Pistons and forwards forwards who have like the requisite athleticism generally age pretty well. So I think that the bottom will fall out in this. I think incidentally that the team who trades for Jeremy Grant this offseason or at the next trade deadline will regret it. But that doesn't make him a bad contract right now because we're going to we'll see we'll see the proof in the pudding there. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. John Collins, I think you would probably have to argue that that trade did not really work for the Utah Jazz. You can argue they needed to spend some money this season, but they didn't need to take on money for two years after that. Collins has been part of some decent units, certainly, but he's not really a center. Power forward, he doesn't shoot it quite well enough. His shooting has rebounded to like passable levels. But he's not a guy that like you're really trying to guard out there. He doesn't defend the center position. He's average at best defending power forward. His athleticism has started to wane. It's kind of weird to look back and say that this guy's probably going to end up having had his best season at age 22 when he averaged 22 a game on really good efficiency for Atlanta. And he hasn't shown that he was being underutilized or that he's like some huge post threat now. Well, and, and, he, and he plays for a, a talented coach, like a coach that we think of as highly regarded, who who is motivated to maximize John Collins. He's starting for the Jazz and they've been fine. And he also, you know, was coached by Quinn Snyder at the end of last year. So it isn't a circumstance where like, oh, yes, Jason Kidd is his coach and they can't figure out how to use him. Like John Collins has had opportunities and he's still a reasonably efficient player because he's so good from 
too. Like he's been over 60% basically every year. But the three point shot is what really like he there was one time where he bridged the gap where he was a good enough shooter that his limitations at center didn't matter. Now it's been shaky enough for a couple of years that his limitations at center start to matter more. Yeah, I mean, he shot 40 percent from three in back to back years and just hasn't been at that level since then. And even from two, right, he's a, hasn't been like the crazy efficient player. And he, he just doesn't fit in that wall because offensively, he really needs to be a role man. And you can do that some, but then your defense is, is going to be kind of limited also. So I, I would say if he's making 25, he's more of like a, you know, sixth, seventh man, PJ Washington. If he were a free agent this offseason, like maybe he would get more than the mid-level, but not much. Maybe people are bringing him in as kind of more of a stopgap starter than like he's getting paid like a real starter. And uh, I think Atlanta did pretty well to move on from him for basically nothing. But well, I want, n- not I want, on this list because he can play, but he's you know probably negative ten million over per season over this. I want to throw one out, not because I think he should be on the list, but because I want to kind of put a signpost for the future. Kawhi Leonard making fifty million a year for his age 33, 34, and thirty five seasons on this extension. I do not think he is one of the worst contracts right now. I'm so happy with how much he has played this year, and generally the level he has played at. Though the first month was a little bit rough, there could be a time that he makes this list, and there could be a time that Paul George does, but he hasn't signed his extension or new contract yet. Any other names we haven't hit on? Does Jordan Ter- Poole yeah. does Jordan Poole being a clearly worse player than Tyler Hero mean that Hero is exempt? I mean, so he's making thirty one a million a year for three years after this one. No, I still have a feeling that Tyler Hero is not really quite a starter on the best teams, and my he's kind of starting due to stature now in Miami and a, a lack of other creation options. But he still is sort of this like he's a backup combo guard. He doesn't he's not quite what you want in a shooting guard on either end of the floor. Maybe I just wish he had a little bit more, and maybe on on the offensive end he is, but. He still is not really more of a, not as much of a floor spacer spot up guys you might want. And he wants to have the ball. And is he on a team that was different than Miami? They've kind of built around him to some degree. I don't know if he would be as good of a fit, but it's, you know, so he's, I, I still don't think he's overpaid mm-hmm. by that much yeah. per season though. I mean, something that I, that lingers with me, this came up years ago with a couple other players is like hero on Butler off. Miami's offense is a 113 offensive rating. Like he he doesn't Tyler Hero isn't great at doing the things that he should be great at and he's bad at the things he's bad at. But being a capable shooter means that you could kind of scale him down a little bit. You could have him on a you could have him on a successful team, albeit we do have a little bit of context. They're well run, they have other things. The Heat made the NBA Finals again this past year without him being available. So, I, you know, like if for me if it's Hero versus Pool, Pool is the runaway winner between those two and hero hasn't there we have enough data points of him being a useful player albeit a flawed and overpaid one so i don't think he's like in the five worst contracts no but he really is this is age 24 season really hasn't developed his free throw rate has gone down efficiency has been basically you know a couple points below the league average the last few years not really a guy who's his assist rate has been about the same Uh, he'll rebound for you a little bit he's not as bad defensively as he was but he still is going to get attacked so yeah i I would view him as as overpaid but not fatally so and let's see here you know you have terry rozier on here i think that's one 
obviously he just got traded for positive value right now. Yeah. That is one though, where if he just starts doing what he did last year, all of a sudden that's looking pretty ugly. He's basically 25 million a year for the next two years. You worry if Chris Middleton's health issues persist that, you know, he's not paid a ton. You have know, two years, 65.7 million. And the second of those two remaining after this year is a player option, but you, so I don't expect him to opt out knowing what we know right now. So I don't think of Middleton as justifying his place on this list yet. He's more of like a signpost for potential future things. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that we we haven't hit on here yet. Before we declare our top fives, when I go back and look at last year's, one thing I want to give you some credit for, you you like to do a list of the guys who might get new contracts that would immediately be on this list, and congratulations for nailing uh, Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> it it was one. not exactly a difficult prediction, but I am happy. <laughs> I, I appreciate the credit. <laughs> Yeah, actually, most of these ended up working out okay. The the that you on this list of guys that you had as possible bad contracts coming forward, we thought it would be James Harden, and then he opted in to his player <laughs> option. No, instead he's instead he's on my list for Puzzle Hustle for next year. Uh, we thought D'Angelo Russell would get a longer term deal than he did. Kristaps Porzingis hilariously signed an extension that's now one of the best contracts in the NBA. When we do that, he's probably going to get mentioned. Draymond signed. I mean, we talked about him this time, but he signed for maybe less than we thought he might. Chris Middleton is one that's interesting. We haven't talked about him yet. I think maybe at the start of this year, you had some concerns. He's starting to get back to a reasonable level, though. He still can't play back-to-backs. He's probably never going to be able to do that. He's making a little over 30 for the two years after this one, one of which is a player option, which I'm not going to do the voice for because you could see him maybe staying in Milwaukee, opting out of that player option, doing the exact same thing he did again, where he signs for less per year and longer. That's one to keep an eye on. It's one of those ones where you feel like the rug could come out from under it at any time. And I ultimately, if I'm adding up money versus production, I think it's in the negative, but it's also one where he may help them be a good playoff team still this year. And for $30 million a year, you can't complain too much about that. I do love that I had Killian Hayes with a question mark on that list, <laughs> basically on the idea that if he signed any extension, he would, if he had signed any <laughs> over the summer, he would have made this list. Instead, he yeah. didn't get that and is now waived by the Pistons. Another one we thought might end up being terrible is Kyrie Irving, and that's actually fine at this point now he hasn't played that much but he's played at at a good level he's only two more years after this one he's not not someone that i'm thinking about for this list now and he's been uh, remarkably sane since getting to Dallas, which I, I think is the sanity aspect was probably the biggest thing we were worried about there are we ready to go through it here yeah, I think unless you have a strong preference, I think we actually start at one just because it's it's it, that way it's easier to argue like, well, this guy's this guy's a better contract than that one. For but sure. If you want to if you want to build no, from five to one, let's do it. I think Jordan Poole's my number one. It's not that rich a contract. Like for example, Carl Anthony Towns has more than twice as much owed money as Jordan Poole is. Carl Anthony Towns is a good basketball player. Jordan Poole is not, and it's a lot. It's a lot longer than Ben Simmons' contract. And because Poole, the big concern that I have on the on the Wiz that we didn't necessarily see on the Warriors is I'm less confident that he can throttle it down and like that there's a way to consolidate him into a more like a a smaller smaller role more positive player because he's so bad defensively and because the jump shot just hasn't been there. Yeah, it's 
it's up there. I, I think I generally look at this maybe for more of a what would it cost to get off of this guy right now? How tradable is the guy right now aspect? I think your philosophy, you correct me if I'm wrong here, is kind of more along the lines of what's the total dollar amount left on his contract versus what is the production he's going to give you over the course of the whole contract? Is that that's fair and you can put bonus points in for like versatility or negative points for lack of that and all uh, and injury risk and all that sure but that's that's a fair yeah. fair distillation well because like for example did you pick levine last year as your number one i picked bradley beal as my number one in part because <laughs> of the no trade clause i had yeah, levine, number, I had no levine number three yeah and then but they did in the end get positive value for it. i think that's probably why i didn't have beal number one but yeah L- levine and i think what did you have simmons at two i think i had simmons yes. at one last year I had but yeah i think yeah where you're just like this is totally dead money and then if the guy plays, it's almost worse because he's out there hurting you. Whereas, uh, again, if, if it's a guy who is like positively contributing on the court right now and will for the next couple of years, even if he's overpaid, like you can work with that. Whereas, exactly. Yeah, you can't necessarily for something like Simmons. Um, but Poole fits into both of our conceptions. <laughs> as, he does. Um, and, and there and there doesn't appear to be the upside. So like I'll say Zach Levine yeah. is my number two because there's a way for Zach Levine to be good and for and to do that. And with Jordan Poole, it's becoming more like and to be a part like you you think about it more in terms of trade value. Like there is a way that Zach Levine will draw interest around the league. If he has a good first couple months of next year looking looking fine physically, like I, I could see that. It's harder for Jordan Poole to rehab his value given his limitation. Well, and keep in mind, too, both for he and Hero, those guys signed those extensions with the idea that they were going to get better. And they did. Hero has kind of stayed the same. Poole has to has a ways to go to even get back to the form that he flashed to get that extension. And the extension was based on him being better than that form. Yeah, I think I'd probably do it to go with Poole. I mean, that's because he just kills you when he's out there, too, on both ends at this point. So it's like, like you can't... If you're actually trying to win, like you can't even play him, right? Like it's a, he's not even a guy at this point who's like, you know, a nine million dollar a year player because he's just the way he plays is just so destructive. And I I think there's he's going to get a little better than this. I really hope he does. But it's yeah, it's it's pretty rough right now. I, I hope we're not overreacting to this wizard season, but we've kind of we saw it in the playoffs last year. I think he was really reliant. He's he kind of needs a playmaking big to play off of i think is the only way he can kind of be effective like hilariously draymond green is actually what allowed him to be effective in golden state and those guys played great together last year relative to what they've done so far uh that said though hmm yeah, I guess I do have to go through number one. And Levine, Levine's probably going to be number two then. Levine, and we talked about the differences between Levine and Beal. Like, Beal makes more, but he has been he has been a successful part of teams more recently. He also just got traded for positive value, even with a no-trade clause. And drop that the no-trade clause isn't as damaging now as maybe I thought it was. So it's weird that he has improved his standing being going going from number one on my list. I haven't. I don't even know. If well, well, I think all. also some of these other people have uh, reduced their standing. They, they <laughs> I don't have. know that he's um, that much better. 
than yeah. it was before. But it, and I was going to say, because he's been hurt so much of this year, it's, it's, it's unusual where it's not like, oh, he played himself off. Like, for example, I had Rudy Gobert fourth last year, and Rudy Gobert is not at that level this year, even though there is downside risk, certainly with his contract. But he's, you know, he's Yeah, I, I mean, should we discuss Gobert? I think we should at least discuss him, right? Sure. So Gobert, he only has two years remaining, one year and a player option, 42.8 and then a $46.7 million player option. And yeah, and he's worth his contract this year, right? 41. You think he's absolutely. He's, yeah, I, mean, I think so. He's, yeah. he's the defensive player of the year. He's the reason the Wolves have the number one defense. And without the number one defense, they're a more unremarkable team. Like they're they're not one of the best teams in the West without him. And that's worth a lot of money. And so for for Gobert there and you you do run the risk of how, you know, like how he's going to age, how his game is going to age. But that's honestly true for pretty much anybody. So, like, he could return on this list, but my instinct is that he won't when you consider that each of us had a top two that didn't have Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons makes basically the same amount as Gobert does right now, and he's a zero. Like, Gobert's never going to be a zero. Yeah, hopefully. I I thought he was maybe trending towards being, like, a barely adequate starting center by the end of this deal last year, and he just has come back, and he's been unbelievable. Just a ton of credit to him to working to get back to that level, and I think he was dealing with more injuries last year than we understood. There's been some allusions to that from his teammates uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's not a – because – it's hard for the present defensive player of the year with only two years left on his deal to really be on this list. But it's worth acknowledging that, I mean, at this time last year, you're like, okay, I guess he's like a, he's looking like a solid defensive center and, you know, real liability on offense, which I still think he kind of is, by the way. But, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also how he plays in the playoffs will be interesting, but he's pushing this team to the best record in the West right now in the regular season. There's actually one other name that we didn't mention that I want to talk to you about before we do the rest of our list. LaMelo Ball. Interesting. LaMelo basically the- hasn't played in two years. Contract doesn't even kick in until next year. 30 or sorry, 25% of the salary cap. He's not going to make an All-NBA this year. I mean, what, what is he? And he's also another guy who just it doesn't seem like he's developed, maybe in part due to the injuries. And so far away from proving that he's actually like a playoff quality, a star. And that's what he's getting paid like. But I, I, the injury component is probably the most concerning and the lack of seriousness uh, after that. That it's what it's got some potential to go bad. It needs to be mentioned. It does. I'm happy you mentioned it. I I did, hadn't pieced together to put it on the list. It absolutely deserves to be mentioned. And Lamelo, he's still young enough and talented enough that I think he can drive positive offense. Though we are further away from that happening. And you know, I I tether sometimes to like, hey, young guys don't usually do this, and he did it. But there are plenty of concerns. And I, I am encouraged by how, like, when he's been on the floor, like, his his three-pointer is looking more dangerous and dynamic over the last couple of years. But as you mentioned, he hasn't been on the floor. He's very unserious defensively. And he has some offensive limitations. It's not as egregious as as his older brother. But, you know, like, he's still not, not the greatest inside the arc and everything else. And so it's like the idea of, I, I think the the idea of Lamelo leading a successful offense is completely plausible. The idea of him driving like a top five or a top 10 offense, that is getting more distant, whether it's just the injuries and the passage of time, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I hope he can get back. And what would you say based on the level he's played at when healthy this year? Like he's overpaid on that deal, right? Yeah, I mean, it is hard to to kind of get through that. Lamelo, he's only played 700 minutes this year, but he's. Yeah, I mean, he's got some weird stats. 34 usage. He's averaging 
8.9 assists per 36, pretty good number, and career high in true shooting, 56%, and he takes 10 threes per 36. He's making 36%. You know, I'm not yeah. sure he's going to be one of these 40% three-point shooters, but and it's just been so weird when he's been healthy. Other guys have been out, and they... they he hasn't and, and like that to play with a lot of the time. Yeah, this Lamelo is at exactly fifty percent on twos, but it's the first time in his career he's been even at at fifty yeah. percent. And so, so he hasn't stagnated statistically necessarily. So maybe it's just more of an injury concern. Yeah, for him. I got another one for you too that we didn't okay. discuss. Anthony Davis. I've thought about this a little bit. There was um, it was a part of the fifteen and sixty that we did on the West a little while back that I, I was talking about. I had this whole thing on why the Lakers shouldn't trade their future first, which they ended up not doing at the deadline. But I had another part of it that I like. We I was like, we can get into this if you want. It was like, should they be seriously considering trading Anthony Davis this summer? And it, I mean, so Davis he signed an extension that is basically it'll be three years at at his maximum and that is 2025 it's the same problem that damian lillard is running into where that's the year that we expect to see the 10 percent bump so davis he's a wonderful defensive player and when he's available and he's been one of the best role men in the league and when he's been able to do it he's been a transition force but the the years that are covered by his remaining contract will be Davis's age 31, 32, 33, and 34 seasons with the bump coming for 32, 33, and 34. It's a concern. Yeah, just wanted to keep an eye on at, at this point in time, making $61 million at age 35. And they're just the number of players in NBA history who have been making 35% of the salary cap at age 35 and actually been worth it. You can probably count them on two hands at most. Zion Williamson got off this list because he's got a bunch of non-guarantees now. He could re-guarantee himself, but that would make you, in theory, feel better about it. If he were to accomplish those goals, it's been a disappointing year for him. To me, he's still a valuable player, but also a really tough fit. Hope maybe that he could play a little bit better in the coming years, but he's his athleticism continues to decline and he's never going to be like, you know, some amazing shooter to where his skill level is going to increase there. I don't know how much better he can get defensively. One to keep an eye on, but the non-guarantees make you feel better about it. All right, let's get back to our lists here. Pool one, Levine two for me, Ben Simmons three. Like that's just kind of where where this line is, where um, 40 million one year, real bad. Whether you want to say it's it being concentrated is better or worse, that's more context dependent than I'm super comfortable with. But he's basically 40 million underwater and that's not fantastic for them. So I have him three. And then I I have a number four preliminarily, but I can be persuaded on four and five. Yeah. Who uh, did you have any? other candidates at three so the next guy the guy that i have preliminarily at four is vooch but vooch is so his contract is way less bad than simmons's because like he can play even if you don't want to play him as much and vooch makes as much over two years as simmons does over one so even if you want to say like he's a flawed backup center that's still something yeah although simmons once he's expiring it's just it's easier to deal with yeah the fact that vooch never gets hurt is almost a negative (laughs) at this point yeah, I'm trying to think of like all the super big money guys going forward. 
but the thing and, is, all those guys could still be traded for positive value. And that's and why there, I didn't there will have be players Levine. who yeah. like there will be players in the like Sabonis Towns camp that make that that could be here, but they can a they can play their way out of it, and b as you said, like there's there's this idea of like they've established a level of play. Um, there's also a special honor for our tourists with Vooch because it was it is the only one of these contracts that was signed this league year, which is I mean I guess technically it was an extension at the very end of June, but still like all the other ones are holdovers and like got worse this one was bad and stayed bad yeah you make a good point there <laughs> that's the that's it's impressive to have it go bad there there quickly. aren't there aren't style points for this but if there were style points Vucevic would be probably leading that pack well i find him actually one of the most boring players to watch in the <laughs> nba <laughs> well i mean contra- bad contract styles um yeah so I, you know to have the intersection of just totally no value and untradeable. You know, I, I think Levine, Poole, Simmons are like a, a, a triumvirate at the top. Then you kind of get into the types where it's like, okay, just, you know, Alonzo dead money for a year or Vooch. He's just kind of a special case because he's going to play for you and hurt you. Uh, and then you kind of get into the guys of like, all right, is it these lower level guys who just aren't any good? They're kind of shorter term dead money. Or do you want to go into the guys who actually might have positive value right now, but also and are helping teams win right now, but also are just going to look real bad by the end? I prioritize the first bin. I guess it probably has to be Beal after this to be fourth. I mean, and for example, like Beal and Lillard have very similar remaining money. And like, I'm I'm more of a believer that Damian Lillard can reach the level he has been than than like that he can reach a higher level than Beal personally. Yeah, I would even maybe put Towns or Sabonis worse than Lillard at this point, just because I think Lillard is better than them this year. Like Damian Lillard could win a team, could win the Milwaukee Bucks a championship this year. I don't think that Towns or Sabonis could do that. And they they go out longer and they're just kind of harder to fit around. They just Uh, don't have the upside of Lillard in like the next couple of years, even if the last year of Lillard's deal will probably end up being worse than that particular year of Towns' deal. I'm going to go Beal at number five, but I considered a lot of players for it. All right, so give me your top five again. Pool, number one. Levine, number two. Ben Simmons, number three. Vucevic, number four. Bradley Beal, number five. Yeah, I think we have the same top three. It's just, it's hard for, like, Vucevic just doesn't have that much disaster potential the way some of these other ones the, do. The disaster potential is just him being on the being on the floor. But yeah, that that is, yeah, maybe I should count that. I But it's, it's also oh. just such an ass, like, you want it to be one of the top five worst because it was such an ass nine decision. But yeah, if bloggable were doing these rankings, he would he would certainly have Vooch in the, in the top five. But yeah, I probably got to go Beal four, and then I, I would go Vooch five. Even though Beal, I still think might have positive trade value right now, which Vooch I would hope wouldn't. The single funniest thing would be if they got offered something at positive value and didn't trade him at the deadline because they want to be competitive. <laughs> I don't think that happened. All right, well, this is fun. Thanks so much uh, for being a Dunked On Prime subscriber, and we'll talk to y'all next time till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply